Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. But I don't even understand why we're having this conversation. The guy lined up in the neutral zone. You couldn't officiate the game. And so he's supposed to yell to him, hey, move back. I don't want to call because you're the Chiefs. I mean, come on. That's a little petty. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, as always. And Michael, boy, was it an eventful Sunday in the National Football <laughs> League, week 14, watching those games. And Arrowhead Stadium is where everyone's talking. Bills at the Chiefs. They're Buffalo getting the 20-17 to victory. Some people are mad. Some people being Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid after the offsides that was called back on the touchdown there for Kadarius Tony. But uh, just an unbelievable ending in that game, an unbelievable day in the National Football League. I mean, look, if you would have said to me, you're going to get the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have the ball with under two minutes to go in the game. We're at the two-minute warning, and they're going to be down three points. What were they down going into that? They were down yep, three points. Three points. If you said to me they're going to get the ball 154 to go in the game, down three points, I'm saying that's why you bet the Chiefs you're going to win the game. You're either going to get it into overtime or you're going to win the game. Okay? So, you know, to me, this offsides call <laughs> by the officials has kind of taken away from what really was one of the greatest blunders of all time and yet it, it's not discussed. I mean, the game management at the end of the game by Sean McDermott was a disaster, a disaster. And he got away with it. And now we're not going to talk about it. I mean, he gets a reprieve on the Watson pass interference call or illegal contact, which was, that was a good call. You can't complain about that call. But then, you know, then he goes and blunder, 2-12 to go in the, court, in the game. Kansas City has two timeouts. You know, and so you don't even take any of them away. You take one away on an incomplete pass because Watson got hurt, so you lose your time out there. Kansas City gets the ball back with 154 to go in the game, and they got timeouts in their pocket. I, mean, I don't know why. I don't. I, to me, that's the story of the game, not the offsides. I mean, here's what I say about the offsides, mm-hmm. and would ask Patrick Mahomes this: Patrick, if Buffalo lined up offsides, and it would have got you a free five yards but the official over there couldn't see it, would you be angry? He couldn't officiate the game because the guy was covering the line. Like, how, how are we even having this conversation? Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit like, okay, it's okay to go into any Nordstrom's in the country and just steal whatever you want and then leave because there's no penalty. I mean, it's, just, it's like ridiculous. It's like ridiculous. We're arguing that they're, not, that they're enforcing the rules. It's, it, I can't believe there's been so much time spent on this and so much resources spent on this. I mean, you had all the insiders that were tweeting out the pool report from the officials. I'm like, we need a pool report on this? Like the guy, Canarius Tony was almost lined up as he was an edge rusher. Like he was that far ahead of the ball. Like, like what are we doing? He was a full foot ahead of the football. Like, and he's staring right down the line as a wide receiver. You're supposed to look right down the line. You're seven yards away from the ball. Like, you got to make sure that you're on sides. I didn't understand it whatsoever. After the game, I mean, Mahomes. Even when he, when, I don't know if you saw the video of his interaction with Josh Allen, and he's telling Josh, like, it's like, oh, that's the wildest yeah. call ever. I'm like, well, first of all, why are you telling that to Josh Allen? What, is he supposed to feel sorry for you? <laughs> like, he's like, he just won the football game, man. And Buffalo saved their season at least for a week. Like, Josh Allen just looks at him and is like, yeah, man, I'll see you later. <laughs> Like, I thought that was a hilarious interaction. Like, like what? I, I, I don't understand the beef that the Chiefs have with this thing, and maybe there's some more underlying things going on there. I don't think what could be underlying. I mean, look, it, I think I think Josh Allen was in shock. I think when they screwed up the end of the game, I think when Mahomes got the ball with 154, Josh Allen was fully expecting to lose that game. Mm. He was fully expecting to lose. He didn't think it was going to come back to him. I mean, look, if there's one team yesterday that can complain about the officiating, if there's just one, it's not the Chiefs. It's the Los Angeles Rams. Did you watch the punt return? Yep. 
like there could have been, I mean, and that's my man, Scott Novak, who loves laundry. Nobody loves laundry more than my man, Scott Novak. He didn't, they didn't call one thing on that return. Like I watched the return live and I'm like, penalty, penalty. Okay. That could be, you know, like I was expecting it to come back. I kept looking for the, the yellow thing to come up there and it never showed up. I'm like, how did they not call that? How did they not call that? Like if any team should complain about a call, but I don't even understand why we're having this conversation. Like the guy's offsides. Yeah. He's offside significantly. It wasn't by a millimeter. The, the, the guy lined up in the neutral zone. You couldn't officiate the game. And so he's supposed to yell to him, hey, move back. I don't want to call because you're the Chiefs. I mean, come on. That's a little petty. I mean, yeah. that's a little stupid, right? I mean, and we're covering it. Like Mahomes, to me, it was more of a frustration of a day of they mm-hmm. just can't seem to get their rhythm. They drop too many passes. The offensive line struggles to hold up at times. They miss Pacheco, clearly. It wasn't like the, you know, here's the thing that's scary about the game. I thought the Bills played a B-minus game on offense. I don't even think the Bills played a great game on I don't think it, you could sit there and say that was an MVP performance by Josh Allen. Now, he took the team on his back, don't get me wrong. You know, we knew he was good, but he only had 32 yards rushing. Longest run was eight yards. I mean, he didn't really make an explosive play in the passing game. They had 127 yard at a cook down the seam for the touchdown. But you're telling me that that game with Josh Allen with a quarterback rating of a 68.9 is going to beat you? I say you're losing that game, wouldn't you? 100%. Uh, 100%. Like, like, I don't think there's a single person watching yesterday. If you give them true serum, Chiefs fan, Bills fan, just fan of NFL thought that the Bills were going to win that game when they gave the ball back to Patrick Mahomes there with that much time left and two timeouts. Like, it was an egregious. I even tweeted out. I said, what the hell are the Bills doing? Like, when the, the, the play calling before the two-minute warning, I didn't understand that. But on the Mahomes front, because I do want to play the soundbite from his press conference, and I do want to get into why I think there's some underlying stuff going on here. Here's what he had to say when he was asked about this after cooling off a little bit when he addressed the KC media. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week, I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. Lost for words, man. It's just it's tough because regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, the end with another game and we're talking about the refs, man, it's just not what we want for any, for the NFL and for football. I mean, we should be talking I about mean, your receiver lining up in the neutral zone. Is what we should be I mean, like, seriously, that was a tremendous play. It was highly executed. It was a, a hell of a play. Credit. Hell of a play. But I a mean, nice it was throw. a great play. It was called. I mean, it was tremendous. I, all that. And he's an incredible player. But at some point, you got to officiate the game. There's rules. We have rules. And look, if he were a half a tick, look, I'd be the first to bitch about it. I bitch about Scott. No, I mean, I bitch about him all the time. But that wasn't a close call. I mean, that wasn't because here's the thing. If Buffalo lined up offsides, right? If Buffalo lined up offsides, then the official couldn't see it. He couldn't officiate the game. Now, he's supposed to yell from his sideline, hey, Tony, move back. I can't see. <laughs> like, really? That's what he's supposed to do? Like, I mean, look, you, you go to the Bear game, right? The, the, the Lions jump offsides in that game. You don't want to call that? Maybe we shouldn't have called that. You shouldn't have called that. <laughs> okay, maybe we shouldn't have called that. All right, but actually in that play, I thought the guy made contact with the, with the offensive lineman and should have stopped the play. Give him a free play. Right? Yeah. He gave him a free play. When, when you touch the lineman, there is no free play. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you could make that argument, but I'm not making it. I mean, it was a stupid play by the Lions, and they paid a price for it and lost the game. It's the same thing here. Tony's got to know to line up. On, I mean, that's day one install. You line up at a receiver. You look inside, make sure you're not offsides. How hard is it? It, it, it doesn't make a whole I, lot I don't of understand sense. the carryover. I, I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, you could see McDermott's emotion on the sideline when they won the game because he knows he got away with he got away with one. I mean, he got away with one. I mean, let's go back to that for a second. He's got the ball first after the penalty, right? He's got the ball at, at 212 to go in the game. Okay? Yep. Penalty on the Chiefs, 212 to go. Now, this is a perfect situation if you've been a study of game management against Andy Reid. You run the ball. There's a pretty good chance Andy Reid will call timeout with 205 to go. Pretty good chance. He loves to do it. I don't know why he does. He's never really changed. But there's a pretty good chance he'll call timeout at 205. 
And McDermott should know that because he's been on the other side of those 205 calls that I've screamed about when he was in Philly. Mm-hmm. So just say he, call, say he runs the ball there, right? He runs the ball. Well, we had a run-pass option, and it was, it, was a, it was a throw out to Diggs. No, run the ball there, okay? Make Andy Reid make a decision. Incomplete pass, right? Yep. Then with, two, with 210 to go, that took two seconds. With 210 to go, you know, they incomplete pass, but Watson gets hurt, so they have to use a timeout. I don't think they, they, it didn't cost them a timeout. It was a timeout because of the injury, right? And mm-hmm. then he throws a pass on third and 10 for one yard, and now you got the two-minute warning. I mean, that's got to be the worst 12 seconds since his 13 seconds. It, really, it was egregious what they were doing. And like people say, oh, like Joe Brady, it's like, like we say all the time, when you're the head coach, you need to tell Joe Brady, hey, run the damn ball right here. Like, like do not throw the football. Like, he needs to get in and interject his own opinion and say, hey, we got to try to win this game. At least make the Chiefs use timeouts or get the clock running to where when we do give them the ball back, they don't have 155 left to go in the game with two timeouts. Like it just it made no sense what Buffalo was doing there. It really didn't. It was horrible. And it was like, look, and, and you're the head coach. I don't want to run pass option there. I don't want that. I don't mm-hmm. want to throw the ball. I want to run it here. I mean, you'd have been better off taking three kneel downs. Seriously, you'd have been better off taking three. You would have been better off getting in the tush-push formation and just pushed it forward with Josh Allen. He'd have got five yards on three plays. I mean, think about it, Femi. I mean, he would have gotten five yards. I mean, to me, that's the conversation about the game. There's so much mismanagement during these games. It's just bizarre. Mm. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a hell of a week for Sean McDermott, as you saw in the postgame locker room afterwards. The Bulls players said, hey, we got your back. And like they, Brandon being the general manager said, hey, like, this guy's been through a lot of shit this week and everything. So uh, obviously you can see well, McDermott. It was, it was self-inflicted. I mean, the shit he put him, it was all self-inflicted. It wasn't like somebody was coming after him. I mean, you know. So you're saying you didn't, you didn't like. It was self-inflicted. You didn't like his uh, 9-11 analogy that he was trying to get everybody fired up but for? No, I mean, I look, mean. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was bad. He deserved the criticism he got. And, you know, like it was self-inflicted. Like we all make mistakes. I, I grant you that. Yeah. But he got away with one. I mean, could you imagine if Mahomes scores, if Tony lines up off onside? Now, Mahomes made a good point. There's no guarantee that, 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 that the Bills would. weren't going to come back down and score. But the point here is simply this. You, you know, I mean, like he could have it could have been blown up in McDermott's face. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, and, and it probably would have been season over for the Bills. But now, season alive, at least momentarily. They're sitting at 7-6, and six, and I'm sure all those other AFC contenders are looking around saying, God damn it, Kansas City. Like, we, do, we do not want this team to be in the playoffs, and now the Bills have a chance to go ahead and do just that. I want to talk more about this game on the other side. We'll get to the rest as well here on the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So after yesterday's loss, Michael, the Kansas City Chiefs now sit at eight and five, losers of three of their last four. And why I said that, I think that Mahomes' frustration felt like there was some underlying stuff going on there is because 
to me, it felt like he just boiled over based on what's been happening over this past month, where his pass catchers have been unreliable, to say the least. Obviously, we all saw what happened Monday Night Football when they played the Eagles, the Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop, a number of drops in this game as well here with receivers. Just hasn't quite been able to kind of rely on these guys outside of Travis Kelsey from a consistency standpoint, where it just felt like things had been bubbling up for Mahomes underneath the surface, and he's the leader of the team. I'm sure he doesn't want to call guys out. And then when that play happens there, whether it's the official Obviously, he's not being rational in this situation. I mean, the guy looked like he wanted to go take the official's head off. He was having to be held back on the sidelines there to where this felt like this was a month's worth of frustration that kind of boiled over the top, to me at least. You know, the really the only good game they've played when you break them down, I mean, offensively, uh, is when they when they beat the Chargers at home. They were really good. I throw out the Bear game. The Bears were all hurt in that game. So you almost want to not even count that. But since the bye week, when we all anticipated that this chief would get it fixed, remember the interview when he was in Germany? Yeah. Uh, Mahomes said, you know, well, we're fortunate to win here today, but we're going to go home and get this thing fixed. Yeah. You know, they've lost three of the last four games, you know, and, and no longer is playing an arrowhead uh, you know, a, a tough place to play. I mean, since the bye week, they've lost two games in Arrowhead or or whatever they call the stadium now. You know, I mean, so like they have not been able to protect the ball in these five we- in these four weeks. They've got five turnovers. They haven't been able to create turnovers. They only have two. Josh Allen gave them the obligatory turnover that he always does. I mean, what's he on it? He's on a heater now. He's what like nine straight games where he's thrown interceptions. So. <laughs> I don't know what to say other than the fact that they they missed – I thought they missed Pacheco. I think that was clear because one thing Pacheco gives them is tough runs and he gets and, – and Andy calls more runs. It takes some of the burden off their offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, like you said, you can't – you know, you drop too many passes. You, you can't convert. I mean, here's the thing, too, that I didn't, I didn't – I'll stand Buffalo played a B-minus game offensively, but what Buffalo was able to do – is Buffalo was able to keep the ball. I mean, Buffalo had the ball for 35-21. You know, and when you look at the average per play, I mean, Kansas City outgained them by a yard and a, 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 a five, six to four, five. But the problem was, Can- and Kansas City only had 62 plays in the game. Buffalo controlled the game because they controlled it. Neither team was good on third down. So... You know, you don't have the ball enough. You punt too much early in the game. And then, you know, look, this team has not been very good at closing in the fourth quarter. They just haven't been. Yeah, Kansas City, they were able to score a touchdown in the second half in this game here, but 10 points in that second half. They just got down. Buffalo, I thought their early stuff was really good there. Offensively, they were kind of hanging on for dear life in the second half, but uh, able to get the victory now sitting at 7-6. and six. Let's get to Sunday night football, though. The Cowboys, they beat the Eagles. Finally beat a team with a winning record, Michael. Look at that. Uh, maybe yeah, we'll, well, we'll hang the banner up on that one. Uh, they beat the Eagles 33-13, to 13, uh, but they didn't really feel like that close, honestly, when watching the game there. Eagles, they moved the ball offensively in the first half, but then those killer turnovers, the fumbles that they lost, really just kind of put this game out of reach as Dallas now moves into a tie with Philadelphia atop the NFC East standings. Look, I mean, Philly has, has given up since their bye week. Philly's given up 17 to Kansas City, 34 to Buffalo, 42 to San Francisco, and 33 yesterday. You know, they scored six offensively against them because they picked up the fumble. I mean, this is the seventh game in a row that Philly's been outgained. I mean, it's the seventh game in a row. And, you know, all the problems that we saw that were highlighted in the first Commanders game – the potential to lose, you know, they, they had opportunity in the second commander's game to lose that one. They didn't, you know, the Dallas game, they held on to that one. Kansas City, they held on to that one. Buffalo, they held on. Now, they, now they've kind of fallen apart a little bit, and they haven't been. I mean, this it's funny, is somebody texted me during the game last night, at what point was Chris Collinsworth going to talk about how bad this Eagle defense has been? I mean, like, that's not, I think they went nine, 10 possessions in a row where they gave up a touchdown. Six yeah. against San Francisco and four against, or scores. I mean, it was brutal. They haven't stopped anybody. And I've been saying this all year. If you block them, you're going to throw it on them. If you block it, you'll throw it on them. They're not good enough in the secondary. They're not good enough at linebacker. So, you know, I thought – now, look, I think, there, I think the game's a lot closer than you said it was because mm. the Eagles fumbled three times on their way in for getting points. I mean, they're going to they're, – they're moving the ball. They just could – they fumbled. You know, they fumbled and they turned it over and that's the cost. That's the killer. But, you know, to me, I thought Dallas, that was the game Dallas controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought they really did a good job of being able to – Riddick had his plays. 
against Steele, but they did a really good job of game planning and handling Steele, helping Steele out, bringing motion back, doing all those things. And for all those people that killed Mike McCarthy about mm. being a play caller, I mean, at what point do you apologize for that? <laughs> like, at what point do you say, wait a minute, this guy's pretty good? You know, remember all those times where people were saying, well, he killed Aaron Rodgers. He yep. was the downfall of Aaron Rodgers. Held him yada, back. Yada, yada. He's going he's gonna to kill Dak. You know, you're, you know, Kellen Moore's by far the best coordinator. Why would you let Kellen Moore go? You know, I mean, now, how's that worked out? Well, it's worked out with the Chargers having a terrible offense and the Cowboys. I mean, Dak has had his best season of his career. I mean, he's, he's now over at our show sponsor, DraftKings. He's the betting favorite to win league's most valuable player there. And with 10 wins in the production, I mean, it's going to be a fun race down the stretch with Dak and Purdy. We'll get into the Niners a little bit later. And maybe Tyreek Hill, who plays later on tonight, we'll get into him and stuff. But I, it's, it's, it's funny just to see the difference and the shift in the conversation, like you mentioned, based on what happened in the summertime when it was, oh, my gosh, like we need to save no, Dak. This is in February. Yeah. This is in February. Yeah. This is as soon as it happened. I mean, there were, you know, people were all the, you know, the, the analytical community, all those, you know, all killing this guy runs the ball. They're going to be too yep. conservative. They're they're most aggressive. I mean, they go after it. He's going for the jugular. He knows he's got the matchup. He's got full faith in the quarterback. I mean, everybody says, well, if he doesn't want a playoff game, he's going to get fired. No, he's not. No, he's not. I mean, this is the why would Jerry fire a guy that's running the offense the best he's ever had? Him and Brian Schottenheimer are doing it. I mean, look, you can say a lot of things about the Patriots' inability this year, you know, from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien, it was supposed to get better. It didn't. You know, when you look at the changes made in Dallas, it did get better. Mike Solari's done better with the offensive line. Yeah. Brian Schottenheimer's done better with, with Mike McCarthy than Kellen Moore. I mean, there's the, it's, you, can't, you can't take it away from it. You really can't. Yeah, and I, I'm still not sold on Dallas's defense. I think no. Gilmore was sensational last night. But I'm not sold that, that, that this defense is going to be able to continue to play. Now, I think the matchup against Buffalo is a good matchup for them because that front, will, Buffalo's offensive line will have trouble with that front. Yeah, and Dallas, they, they lose Jonathan Hankins, the defensive tackle, their nose tackle last night to a high ankle sprain. Sounds like he should be able to be back at the end of the regular season. Worst case scenario, he'll be back in the playoffs. But when we talk about the Cowboys front, they're like, you can run on this Dallas defense. And the Eagles in the second half, they came out and said, all right, let's just run the football. And they found success doing that there. So some teams like the San Francisco 49ers might come down and try to punish the Dallas Cowboys with that run game there. So that's something that Dallas uh, clearly well, like you, not on that level. Promise, the problem is, Femi, you can, you can run the ball. They'll let you run it when they're up, when they're up as much as they're up. When you're playing from in front, you don't mind the other team running the football because they're eating clock. They're taking away from what you do. So you're like, run it all the fuck you want. Just keep running it. I don't give a shit. You know, you can, if you want to run it, go ahead and enjoy yourself. You're not, you, the only way you're going to get back in this game, you know, when you start the second half, you're thinking about what I always think about is how many, po- how many more points do we need to win the game? Because what you're trying to do when you're, when you're analyzing that point is how many possessions will you get in the second half, right? Okay, so, you know, when you, when you come back and, and you look at the game, and you see, okay, here, here's where we are in this game. Let me let me just get it out here for a second here. Um, you know, when when you're sitting there and you're up, which you're up in, at halftime, you're going to sit there and say, okay, we're up 24, 24 to six, six at the half. And all right, now we they get the ball, <laughs> we get the ball to start the second half. Where are they going to get four possessions, five possessions? Can they score on all those? If we get to 33, how do they beat us? That's, to me, always the mindset, you know? you got to get to a certain number because you're really comparing that number to possessions. Or how do we win this game? Well, we got to get to here. That's why, to me, you, you've got to, you're never going into that four-minute offense early in the third quarter because you got to get enough points to win the game, even with a lead. On the Philadelphia side, this is from uh, Shil Kapadia over at The Ringer. He said, since 2000, there have been 106 teams with 10-plus wins through week 14 of the NFL season. Among that group, this year's Eagles ranks 103rd with a point differential of plus 21. Do you have long-term concerns about the Eagles after what we've seen over these past couple of weeks here? Or was this just yeah, a yeah. rough five-week stretch to where maybe once we get to the playoffs, there can be a little bit more uh, gas in the tank there? Well, look, they're going to play the Giants twice and the Cardinals. I'm not worried about those three games. Yeah. Seattle's going to be a problem for them if Geno's back, right? Because Seattle's receivers are good. 
Now, you know, they got to get DK Metcalf under control. I mean, this is the problem you get when you, you got these guys that you, you, these receivers, you don't get the ball to them. You know, they cause more problems than they end up solving. It's a real issue. It's, it's again, it goes back to look at Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, he can't get the ball at all. You know, it's and now he's next thing you're going to see from Devontae. I want to be traded because <laughs> who's going to be the quarterback for the Raiders? Right. I mean, it's not going to obviously it won't be O'Connell. It's going to have to be somebody else. So you get into that situation a little bit, right? And I, but Seattle's receivers will cause problems against a, a secondary of Philadelphia. I kept saying last year, you know, when they re-signed Bradbury to that deal, I, I didn't understand that. I didn't think Bradbury was a cover guy last year. When they, re, they cut Slay and re-slined Slay, I didn't think that was the case either because the defensive line, which is the strength of their team, has always hidden their secondary. Their speed on defense, to me, from the back end, isn't good enough. They, they look a step slow and a little old on the back end there. And then offensively, unable to score a touchdown in last night's game, as well as Jalen Carter with the scoop and score there for the only touchdown for the Philadelphia Eagles in that game. Uh, we got a minute left here in this segment, Michael. Which of last year's Super Bowl participants is in more trouble, the Eagles or the Chiefs? Uh, I, I think it's, I, I it's got to be the Eagles because the Chiefs still play good defense. You know, but I, I think it's close. Like, I, I mean, look look at Philly now. I mean, let's be clear here, right? I mean, Philly is not good on third down. They're 32nd in the National Football League on third down. And you get the ball in the red zone, they're 30th. Those numbers don't translate to winning playoff games. No, they do not. Eagles, it's a little bit of a problem right now, but they're still sitting at 10-3 and three with a lot of football left to go. And before we head to break, shout out Brandon Aubrey, the Cowboys kicker, by the way. I mean, wow. the kid is nails. <laughs> He's absolutely nails. And every kick just looks pure down the middle. Uh, the fact that there was a kicking competition in training camp, and now we sit here with him just nailing everything is unbelievable. But we will get to the wild game that we saw in the early window yesterday between the Rams and the Ravens coming up next. We saw a wildly entertaining game in the early yeah. window in Baltimore. And this was one that, like, going into it, everyone's talking about the weather and it's going to be bad rain, wind. We talked about it on our shows over the weekend. The under was getting bet there. And it ends up being a thriller. 37-31, the Ravens beat the Rams in overtime. Tylen Wallace with a walk-off punt return touchdown. That eh, might have been a few blocking the backs on that panel on that play. Did you but, see that? I but, mean, but it wasn't called. I mean, and Wallace wasn't even <laughs> supposed to be in there. It was supposed to be Duvernay. And he had back spasms yeah, he was or something. Hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt. <laughs> I mean, what a great game. I mean, to me, it's a, it's kind of a, a tribute to Sean McVay's ability to coach. I mean, he comes out of the game, and it's like nine straight runs, and all of them are successful against a good Ravens defense. And, you know, he goes right down the field. They can't get in the end zone. And, you know, he gets up by three, you know, and then he they just kind of like stay in the game and, and their ability to protect the quarterback. Haverstein went out, and they still were able to – keep Stafford upright and, you know, Nakua makes incredible catches, cups open. You know, they get 410 yards of offense against the, uh, against the Ravens, which we think of the Ravens are a great defense. This is two games in a row at home against good offensive teams that the Ravens have struggled. I mean, let's be clear. We can call them a good defense when they play against shitty teams, but when they play against good teams, they haven't been that. But for me in this game, it, this was really about the Rams' ability to coach this team with not a lot of players on it. And then Lamar making a couple incredible plays with the ball. I mean, the one time he wouldn't get sacked by Aaron Donald, it was just just unbelievable. There's, he's frustrating in that he makes plays and then he gives up a few. But, wow, I, I was impressed with the Rams. I really was. And for the record, you know, I did Russo on Friday, Femi. Mm -hmm. And so when I went on to Russo, I took the Seattle and 11, thought it was a good play. Yep. And then right after we get done the show – the, the, the news breaks that Gino pulled the groin muscle in Friday's practice. Yeah. And, you know, the line went up. The, the line closed at 16. Do you know that? Yeah. Closed at 16. I'm not taking the loss on that. Because on, <laughs> on, on, on Sunday, on Sunday on the show, like I don't give a shit what he says. I'm not counting the loss. Like I'm not. On Sunday on the show, I said either you give me, I said I'll take the, uh, if, you, if I'm stuck with the, with the 49ers, then give me whatever the closing number is, whatever it is. Uh-huh. If I if I if if you let me change the pick, I'm picking the Rams. 
<laughs> well, either way, you get a win. I, I don't know how Russo's going to feel about that. I'm not taking the law. I'm not. I'm not sitting there listening to him pat himself on the back like he. Because if it happened to him, I would have said the same thing. Like the number yeah. was wrong on the sheet. <laughs> Just. That's hilarious <laughs> because I mean Seattle. I mean Seattle hung within the number there. They covered the game. That <laughs> the big spread there with Drew Locke, who made a couple nice plays, also made a couple uh, boneheaded errors. But that, that's, the, that's the Drew Locke experience. But this game, the Rams and the Ravens, though. I mean, yeah, the, both quarterbacks were unbelievable. I mean, Stafford, Lamar. It's like it was like a good old fashioned shootout with these two quarterbacks there on Lamar's end. 316 yards, three touchdowns. He added 70 yards on the ground as well in this game. You mentioned the Ravens' defense a little bit shaky, but if Lamar's going to play this way offensively, this Ravens team has a pretty high ceiling. It's really impressive. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, you didn't even think about – you didn't even think about – Mark Andrews not playing. I mean, likely had that. I don't know who the hell was covering him on that play, but the blown coverage for the touchdown for 54 yards, (laughs) you know, and Beckham comes back with a 46-yard touchdown. I mean, look, they're getting the ball down the field. I mean, there's no question about that. 13.2 yards per catch in the game. That's pretty freaking remarkable, right? I mean, and the Rams averaged 12.8. I mean, look, you know, the Rams were good, too. They, You know, they Stafford has been excellent. I think he's been really good. He stayed healthy. You know, he didn't make a mistake. They were able to, to uh, you know, I mean, the second half, they kind of couldn't quite get it going, right? They couldn't quite get a rhythm in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, they're able to get the last two drives of the game. They go 15 plays, get seven first downs, and get 10 points. Yeah. Last thing for me on this game is I'll just say that it'll be a little disappointing if those that Brett Rippon game is what ultimately keeps the Rams out of the playoffs because I I think they're definitely one of the seven best teams in the NFC when you watch them play especially over this past month but right now they're they're losing the tiebreaker to Big Daddy's Green Bay Packers because of that game when Brett Rippon had to start yeah, we'll, like see that's, t- we'll, we'll see tonight what that goes like I think we'll, I think we'll you got to talk about I think you got to talk about McVay for Coach of the Year I really do. I mean, with this team he's got, I know he's six and seven, he won't win it, but I think this is his finest coaching hour. Look, you can make the case for Sean McVay, too. Not Sean, Mc, I mean, uh, Sean Payton, too, because he's yeah. seven and six. It's his finest coaching hour, too, of adjusting his team. But what McVay has done with this team and Raheem Morris has done with the team are remarkable. They really, their, their talent level isn't this good. I mean, if you gave some other coach this team, they would be two, three wins. Yeah. And also, I think Les Snead, the general manager, deserves at least a little bit of a pat on the back as well for the Puka Nakua draft pick. Uh, also, Avila, the guard, oh, yeah. who's played pretty well for them. Byron Young, well, the, other the, kid, the edge Williams, rusher. When they, when, when they have Williams, when they can run, the, when Williams is in the game, they're a good team. I mean, he gained another 100 yeah. yards against them there. He's a fifth rounder, too. Yeah. So you, you got to give them credit for that. I mean, they've been able to pick up some pieces without first rounders, but the Williams kid from Notre Dame. I mean, he's been outstanding for him. He really has. Runs the ball. I mean, he took that first drive, and it was, you know, right down the field. He's averaging five yards a carry. I mean, look, that, that, the thing about the Rams are they're really well coached offensively, and they, told, they tell you exactly what your weaknesses are on defense. Yeah, no, it's like we talked about in the offseason that, hey, the, the credit card bill is going to come due, and it has come due it a little bit to some extent, but I don't think many people expected this to be six and seven right now, and like with a chance, based on the rest of the schedule, a chance to get into the postseason. Like, I agree with you. This is McVay's finest coaching hour. Let's go over to the Meadowlands where J-E-T-S, Michael, a 30-burger from the New York Jets. I, this, In my opinion, I thought this was Zach Wilson's best game of his career. 27 of 36, 301, two touchdowns. He had the fumble that made you feel a little bit shaky that oh my god is he gonna let the Texans back into this game but then they came right down the field and responded with another TD drive there hell of a performance from Zach Wilson who apparently reportedly was reluctant to play in this game he probably should have stopped carrying long ago because I thought he had his finest hour as well uh, yesterday afternoon I mean look think about it in the first half they have 11 rushes for 18 yards he throws 15 times gets nine completions for 92 yards and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the third, the, the second half, you know, they had five straight punts, five straight opening drive. They got three first downs. They went five straight end of half. They start the second half off. I don't know what happened, but they start the second half off with touchdown, touchdown, fumble, touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal. I mean, think about that. I mean, that I just read, and they had the ball for for tw- twenty two minutes, twenty two minutes in the second half. Crazy. And then C.J. Stroud gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen him have moments like this where he's been really good, like I think Pittsburgh was. I think, you know, the Denver game this year, he let him behind. 
but this was his finest hour. And Houston just hit that. They crashed. Yeah. One for 12 on third down, 135 yards. They couldn't get anything going. And, you know, the, the, the CJ MVP talk has kind of stopped. And, you know, it's, he's now a rookie hitting that rookie wall a little bit. He's not going to win most valuable player. That's weird. Um, like we talked about it during the break, though. A, a bad beat for the folks who went ahead and bet under 33 and a half. Zero, zero yeah. at halftime. And, and the game goes over the total. Like, that's just, that's tough there, especially with the rain coming down. You thought you were, you thought you were in good. You were probably counting the money already. And then unfortunately, oh, yeah. you, you lose that one as it lands on uh, 36. I mean, the Jets can't score 30 points against the air. You're figuring, okay, I got this one won. <laughs> You know, I mean, what they scored, I think the 31 was the most points they scored against Denver this year, you know, and so you're, you you got to be sitting there thinking, oh, God, we're in great shape, right? You know, I mean, they can't score. I mean, think about it, Femi. They scored, if you add up the last four, three games, they didn't score 30 points. Yeah. It, it, it was a tough sledding for that I offense mean, up until yesterday. It's the first time all year they got 20 first downs in a game. First time all year. They, they they deserved a nice week where the, everyone's not coming after them, I guess. So good for Gang Green to get that win and keeping very, very slim playoff hopes alive. For Houston, though, C.J. Stroud, he's in concussion protocol. Obviously, we'll see how he works through that for the rest of the week. But you really saw that those pass catchers, the 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 injuries caught up to them. I mean, Tank Dell's done for the season. Dalton Schultz yeah. missed this game. Nico Collins gets hurt like on the first drive of the game. At that point, it was just like they had no nobody who could get open against that Jets secondary. And it shows up in the box score with two points six yards per play it was just a tough tough out and I, and I think the Jets defense had a really good handle on what Houston wanted to do remember Sala was in Houston it was in San Francisco he knows mm-hmm. kind of what they wanted to do I thought it would help D'Amico Ryans out it did in the first half it didn't do it in the second half Let's get over to the Windy City where the Chicago Bears upset the Detroit wow. Lions 28-13. to 13. I mean, the Bears have just outplayed the Lions in both of these games this season. This one, though, not as close as the first one down in Detroit there where Detroit was able to get that victory. The Bears come up with the win in this one. Fields 19-33, of 223, a touchdown, also 58 yards on the ground. And then DJ Moore with a nice game there as well as the Chicago Bears. Their defense continues to play well, and they bullied the Lions yesterday. I mean, this defense has played well. Go back to the Minnesota game with Kirk Cousins. They held Minnesota to 220 yards, right? They, they have – and, I, and I, their run defense has been outstanding. They didn't play the run as well as typically as they do, but they have been very good in terms of playing, you know, defense. And now that they're healthy, you know, the Lions, to me, have been a little bit too much of a – you know, they, they have been turnover prone. I mean, I think what we're seeing with Goff now is the reason why the Rams traded him. I mean, I think that's just you call it what you want to call it. You can say it's a bad game, yada, yada. The guy's got they, – they've turned the ball over 10 times in the last three weeks. 10 times in the last three weeks. Their speed on defense, it shows up, especially when Fields early in the game was taken off and running. You know, and then the fourth down play. I mean, that game's a close game. I don't understand why they go for it on fourth down as much as they do. They're 24th in the league. They're, the, they're one of the highest-rated fourth down teams in terms of attempts they're 24th in terms of success they've gone for it 32 times this year on fourth down Femi 32 times oh and they've converted they've converted 14 of them and sometimes they just take themselves out of the game by doing it and you you know you when it works it's great when it doesn't work you're out of the game like it's 25 13 and he goes for it on fourth down in his own territory now he's down 28 13 yeah, one for five on fourth down once again here in this game. Also, last thing on Chicago, uh, do, do we do we owe them a little bit of an apology for the Montez Sweat trade? He's been really good for this team, three and a half sacks so far since he's joined the Bears. No, I don't think we do because they overpaid him. And and, and the fact they could have had him for free. So I don't know what your – I mean, we all said he was a good player. But, you know, they overpaid for him. I mean, I think what we owe an apology to is Eberflus. He's done a great job of holding this together. I mean, think about the staff changes that he had. Right before, I mean, to take over the defensive play caller, he loses his defensive coordinator, lost his running back coach. I mean, this guy's held it together. You've got to give him credit for that. Yeah, we said that the second half of the season, jobs were going to be on the line for the Chicago Bears. They played like a team that has jobs on the line, whether it's coaching or whether the playing. I, I think the Bears are going to be a fascinating conversation once we get to the offseason, as well as what they should do with they the presumptive are, number one overall pick. You'll be at that window getting that ticket again. <laughs> they can't lure me back in, Michael. <laughs> we'll talk some awards on the other side. <laughs>
You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, before we get to the awards, we've got to spend at least like a couple minutes on Vikings Raiders. 3 nothing. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Raiders. I had Raiders plus three, and I'm just sitting there watching the game. It's an agonizing three hours. I'm disappointed that I put myself through You're that lucky. just to go ahead and push the bet, honestly. There were a lot, of two, and a half in the, there there, a lot there of two and a halfs in the market. You know, I, I like the Vikings in that one only because I kind of thought the way the game went, it went. I thought the Vikings would shut down the Raiders uh, attack. I think Brian Flores has done a remarkable job. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't. I thought he was a good head coach. I know he took a lot of heat for treating two of the wrong way. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think he's rebuilt, really did a remarkable job. He made the Raiders play left-handed. I think the longer that Aiden O'Connell continues to play, I think that he's living off the narrative of having a good summer, right? He's living off of that narrative, and and he hasn't been able to deliver. And I think the more you watch him play, the more he screams, I'm probably going to be a backup quarterback in the league. Like, I don't think the Raiders have their quarterback of the future. Now, I'm not suggesting they put Brian Hoyer in there by no means, you know, but Garoppolo is still the best quarterback on their team if he could stay healthy. That doesn't tell you much about their team. But I thought the Raiders defensively were as good as they could do. And you got to give Kevin O'Connell credit here, too. I I thought what he said on the broadcast, I listened to the broadcast, obviously had to because it's my son's still there in the game. You know, Millie wanted to listen to it. Uh, they said that he didn't want to bench Dobbs because he felt like it would have been unfair to Dobbs. Dobbs saved their season by coming in there. He wanted a full week to prepare him. He wanted to be able to see if he didn't give up on him, if the kid could respond. And what we saw out of Dobbs is, yes, he can run around and make some plays with his feet, but as a pure quarterback, it's not going to work out. And going to Mullen really won the game for him. I think if he'd gone to Mullen earlier – he probably would have won by 14 points because at least Mullen could make some throws. Now, he tried to throw an interception too, but they had a better rhythm of their offense, you know, and they were able to run the ball for 132 yards. So I, I just think to me, give O'Con- O'Connell was patient and he was fair to Dobbs, but I, I, I don't know, you know, if he'll go back to Mullins here. But uh, to me, I think that that's certainly something he, sh- you know, he got to take a look at. I thought – when you look at the the game, I mean, this Raider offense just couldn't generate anything. And you got to give credit to Flores. I mean, really, he did an incredible job of making the team play left-handed. I, I think Jared Hall, and the little bit I saw against him in the Atlanta game, mm-hmm. I thought he deserves a shot. Yeah, because yeah, once he got hurt and he suffered that concussion, they've never really gone back to him. Maybe if they give him a week to prepare – he might be their starter when they play the Bengals, I believe that is this upcoming Sunday here. But yeah, this is the uh, Michael the lowest scoring indoor game in NFL history. Like usually when you get this, it's inclement weather. I, there was a Dolphin Steelers three nothing Monday Night Football game, but that was like a rainstorm. The field was all muddy. Like that makes sense. Indoors, perfect conditions, three nothing is the final score there. And like you mentioned, well, I mean Renfro Renfro's fumble was a killer, killer right? Killer. I mean Joseph misses a forty eight yard, forty nine yarder. And Renfro, they're going to get points on that game, on that drive there. And Renfro goes ahead and gives it up, which is what he did last year. But I mean, you realize Renfro makes over sixteen million a year. I mean, they paid Renfro, you know. And everybody, well, with the change of offense, it's going to be better for Renfro. I mean, it's really not. I mean, Renfro got a good contract. He should be thankful for that. And, and the fumbles have always been a problem for him as well. Like I mean, really? this, this goes back years that he's. I've been unable to hang on to the football. That one kind of shifted the momentum towards the Minnesota Vikings. Ultimately, Nick Mullins saves the day, as well as the Vikings defense, honestly, being probably the biggest storyline from that game. All right, let's hand out some hardware and get to the awards. We'll start with the Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. And usually we don't give it to a team that's coming off of a loss here, but you were so impressed with what the Rams did. I thought the Rams are great. I really do. I can't say enough about McVay and the way his coaching staff has has handled it. You know, Ryan Waddell, the offensive line coach, they lost, like I said, they lost Haverstein in the game and they were able to protect against this Baltimore team. I mean, if I'm Baltimore, after this game, I'm happy we won, but I'm nervous about my defense. I mean, I think we have them overrated a little bit too high on defense. I really do. Because when have they stopped anybody? I mean, like, who have they stopped that's a good t- – you know, it's one thing to stop, you know, bad quarterbacks. It's another thing to stop good quarterbacks. And so, you know, like, tell me what game that we've played against, right? I mean, you go through their schedule and you list their quarterbacks. Okay, Detroit, good game there. All right, they played golf. 
But you go down, Arizona, no quarterback. Seattle, you know, Geno wasn't very good that day. Cleveland, Watson, they didn't, they didn't slow him down at all. Cincinnati, no. Los Angeles Chargers, you know, they, they played Herbert out there, but everybody plays Herbert good this year. So I, I don't know how good they are on defense. I worry about them in the playoffs a little bit because of their defense. On the lamb, who's going on the lamb this week? Uh, well, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that we've put them on the lamb so many times. I think we lost track. They're so far out of the race. They actually are, are losing now. But the Chargers, I mean, where is this offense, Femi? I mean, like, where is this supposedly, you know, this is even before Herbert got hurt. Like, where is this offense? Like, you know, the last four weeks, the last three weeks against Baltimore, New England, and Denver, they haven't gained 300 yards. They can't run the ball at all. They cannot run the ball at all. They, they get attacked in the protections left and right, you know? And so, like, you're telling me this is a, you know, the Kellen Moore move was going to be a great move? I haven't seen it. Yeah. I don't think he's – I mean, I'm sure he'll get interviewed for head coaching jobs because he got a great PR system, but I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, there were fans of Boise State that were clamoring for him to be their head coach, uh, but they give it to the interim head coach there after winning the Mountain West Conference. All right, let's get to the fraud of the week here. This one is near and dear to our producer, Elliot's heart. Well, I think it's the Colts defense, right? I mean, at some point, we're going to have the conver- – I mean, it's like, you know, at some point you're going to have to have the conversation about a te- certain teams. Remember, now let's go back and talk about this, right? They kept Gus Bradley because they felt like – they had, to, they wanted to. They loved Gus Bradley in the building, so they hire Steichen again. It's the marriage. We're going to put together a good offensive coach with a good defensive coach, right? Well, I haven't seen good defense out of him. I, I, I was not in favor of that move from afar because I think the Bradley system is too generic. It's too vanilla. That doesn't adjust to specific games. It doesn't adjust to specific opponents. It relies strictly on turnovers, and they've created turnovers in every single game this year, which is great to them but it doesn't really stop or get control of the game. They haven't been able to stop anybody from running the football against them. I think over the last, I, 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 over the last nine weeks, I went through my notes this morning. Over the last, oh, Colts, since week seven, they've given up 1,029 yards, 147 yards rushing per game by their opponent. Now, their defense is built on an eight-man front concept. You know, because you know when they talk about it on TV, you get the eight-man front, everything's going to stop the run. Just get an eight-man front. No, 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 no. It's how you play the eight-man front stops the run, not being in an eight-man front. They're two different things. So for me, I, I like at what point do we sit there and say that they don't play good defense? I mean, everybody moves the ball on them. Yeah. No, like they haven't played good defense for much of the season here. And also – Tip of the cap to uh, Jake Browning as well. Back-to-back strong performances. 275, two yeah. touchdowns, three interception. But uh, he's looking like he's at least able to kind of stabilize the ship here for the Cincinnati Bengals. Very accurate. And give credit to Zach Taylor here, too, because yeah. he put him under center more. There, there might be one of the best screen teams I've seen this year. They've run screen. Two of the big plays they had yesterday was against the screen. Really a good. They execute well on screens. You know, give them credit. I, I, he's got them under center. And I think this Chase Brown kid from Illinois that they drafted, uh, he's healthy now. He gives them another – he gives them that juice that they yep, need to go with Mixon and the power. You know, it's, it's really kind of helped their offensive line along. But I, I think they've – I think Zach Taylor in the last two weeks – first of all, let's face it, the Bengals have scored 34 points tw- two weeks in a row. Burrow only scored 34 points one week. And in in when he played. So they're on tune. And you see Higgins playing. You know, Chase is still playing. They're a tough out. And, and I thought Browning's accuracy was really good yesterday. I'm not saying he's Brock Purdy-ish, but he looked like that a little bit. It is what it is. Well, I think it is what it is. It is the fact that I got to, you know, I got to go back and refresh my memory here. Oh, the Chiefs offense. I mean – at some point, we got to stop sitting there saying they're just going to turn the key on. And maybe they do it against New England. I don't know, playing on the road. But in a game against somebody that's got a good offense, I think they're going to have a hard time. They did it against the Raiders. They scored 31. But let's not get carried away when they beat up on bad teams. Let's focus on when they are. Their offense is going to struggle for the rest of the year. They're just not built. They're just not talented enough. And then lastly, if you don't know, now you know, which might end up becoming the story of the final four weeks of the season. Well, I think Joe Flacco's got a chance to become back player of the year. I said it last week, right? It's, it's I said remarkable. it last week. I, I mean, I mean, look, this is the best the Browns have looked offensively. Really, it is. 
I mean, you could sit there and say he's no good, but here's what I think the lesson to learn is. There's two lessons to learn in what we talked about in this block. There's pedigree in quarterbacks, right? Like when you go through and you look at Browning's career, successful in high school, great career, great four-year starter at Washington, you know, maybe he's not the most talented arm or the most talented athlete, but he's played a lot of games and he's got instincts. And so pedigree does matter at the quarterback position. The one-year player is never going to be what you want in terms of your evaluating quarterbacks. So that's one thing. And you cannot minimize the offensive effect around the quarterback. When did Flacco have his best year with Gary Kubiak running this offense? And for him, he looks so comfortable in it. I mean, he looks very comfortable in it, and he's executing at a high level. I think it's been the best that they've been all year offensively. Now, they turned it over three times in the game, but this is the best they've done. They scored 31 yesterday. They scored 19 against the Rams. They could, that game was a lot closer than the score. I, I, I can see why Stefanski wants him as his quarterback for the rest of the year. He keeps going like this. They've got eight wins. You know, they got the Bears at home. They got the Texans. They got the Jets at home. They're a much better defense. And then they got the Bengals. Can they get to 10 wins? Yeah, they can. If they get to oh, 10 yeah. wins and he's responsible for it, how has he not comeback player of the year? I mean, come back from 2018. <laughs> it's coming back from three and four year absence. I, I like watching the game yesterday. I just thought to myself, like, this is the best version of the Cleveland Browns this season. And it's crazy to say that after this guy was signed three weeks ago. But this honestly is the best version of them. Also, a bonus one just for me, if you don't know now, you know. The NFC runs through Santa Clara, California. Levi's, they'll have home field. I think, I think that's a nice I don't know. Are you, know, you sure you, of that? I, I think they'll. The I Eagles think, have I such an easy schedule, though. The Eagles can't stub their toe. They got the Giants twice in the cards. Take a look at that Niner schedule <laughs> and, see, and ask yourself where the losses are coming from. Uh, Monday well, Night they Football. they got the Rams again, don't they? They do. Week 18 at home, though. So we'll see. That front against the, the Rams offensive line. I like the Niners in that matchup. Monday Night Football, we get a doubleheader tonight. Titans, Dolphins, Big Packers, Daddy Giants. Day. Big Daddy. It's the Will C yeah, doubleheader. Daddy text coming. Yeah, we'll get Big Daddy to 805. The first time the Giants move the ball, I'll get a text. He's going to be angry that DeVito's moving the ball he down. He said, I, I didn't want to go over the top angry. I, I didn't want to offend anybody. I said, you don't know anybody. What are you worried about offending anybody? You don't know anybody. We'll see you guys on Thursday to recap everything.